Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. This show features European clean tech champions and their solutions on how to tackle the climate crisis. Today's guest is Andrew, the CEO of Symphony. Symphony offers a software platform for enhanced energy planning. We'll dive into the complexity of energy planning and learn more about what's needed to facilitate the planning process. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Why don't we start off our conversation with you telling me a bit more about yourself, your background? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm Andrew Bollinger. I'm uh, currently co-founder and CEO of Symphony. Uh, Symphony is a, a startup, um, a clean tech startup, a spin-off of a research institute in Switzerland. We're about uh, three years old now, um, a software startup. Um, we offer a, a cloud-based software to support the planning of more sustainable, more efficient, uh, more renewables-based energy systems. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm from the U.S. originally, from the, the New York area. Uh, I came to Europe 2003 and have mm -hmm. stuck around here, bouncing around to different places uh, <laughs> since. Uh, since 2014, I've been here in Switzerland, um, outside of outside of Zurich, uh, where I and Symphony are are at home. Um, I have uh, yeah three three little kids at home too, um, so also a bit of a startup situation at home, which uh, right. conflicts sometimes with the other startup situation. But uh, it's, that's life. Yeah, I can imagine. Maybe that's actually a good uh, bridge to what we're going to talk about, because three little kids at home requires a lot of planning. Well, and this is, I guess, also <laughs> Symphony's uh, area of expertise planning. So why energy planning? How did that happen for you? It's not something that you think about firsthand, I feel. You know, when you think about renewables, this is you think more about maybe PV, storage, and mm -hmm. so on. But the energy planning part of it is not something that at least came to my mind right away. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, actually, if you if you look at, at the the landscape of of companies and startups that are out there in the clean tech space, there's not too many focusing in, on energy planning these days. A lot of them focus on on operation. But but as the first I can say, like, what 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 is it that we define as as energy planning, or how I define energy planning? And and for for us, it's really about um, for a given site or an area, whether it's a building or a neighborhood or an entire city, how do you supply the energy for that area in the best way possible? Um, energy being electricity, heating, cooling, e-mobility, um, process heat, all those sorts of things. So which technologies or combinations of technologies or combinations of resources is best suited for a given site and uh, what performance is possible? And the real, the real challenge, the challenge these days and, <clears throat> and why it, it is for uh, symphony really interesting and a really interesting business opportunity as because there have been all these new requirements that have arisen in recent years um, about how energy systems need to perform uh, in particular with respect to sustainability um, and you know this is things like uh, net zero co2 like uh, 24 7 carbon free like positive energy and at the same time, you have this big space of technology options and resource options and new business models coming up. And how do you combine all of these things together in the best way for a given site or a given area or building or a given customer? Uh, that's that's what it's, it's, it's all about. Right, super helpful. And how did you actually get involved with it? Um, so what sparked the interest? 
Um, I would say, well, it's a bit of uh, spinning around the different things uh, mm -hmm. from the start of my career, but but uh, like I would say, you know, I when I was, uh, I'm very interested in using um, models and algorithms to solve complex problems. And um, say when I when I was doing my bachelor's degree back in around 2000, I I got into using models to uh, design energy systems for buildings, and that was a time when sustainable energy for buildings was just coming up, and 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 uh, you know the computational power available in around 2000 was much less today, so it looked very different. But it's still the same thing. You can um, you can use these these computational methods to to solve uh, energy problems. So that got me started on it, and then I, I did a I did a master's degree in what's called industrial ecology. It's about industrial symbiosis. So for like an industrial area where you have a bunch of different facilities uh, using all sorts of energy and materials, how do you combine those in in the best way possible? Also a very complex problem. Uh, it's called industrial symbiosis, and I got to using computational methods to to solve mm -hmm. those. Um, and and then yeah, I got into to using uh, simulation to solve um, energy planning problems for large scale, like national scale energy systems in, mm -hmm. in my PhD. And after that, after that, so after my PhD, uh, 2015, I moved to Switzerland, and um, and that was where um, I joined this urban energy systems lab at EMPA, which at that time was just being formed, um, and that was a really interesting opportunity um and it's an interesting time because it's just when you have as i said before a lot of new um uh, requirements with regard to labels and regulations and a lot of new technologies decentralized energy technologies coming up and so you have this explosion of possibilities and how do you navigate your way through this explosion of possibilities uh was really interesting from a research perspective and was really an important need coming from coming from uh the, the sector itself and so that's how I, I sort of moved into into energy planning. Um, but it's 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 come from from that uh, that, that interest in, in solving complex problems using using uh, models and algorithms. Right. And I would assume that the complexity in the market is just I don't even know quadrupled, grown by ten x one hundred x over the last few years. You just mentioned sort of the boom of you know renewables pv generation heat pumps and um, the boom of uh, evs as well so yeah. I, I feel sort of the market over the last years has become even more complex than it was before you know before you might have looked at right i want to have pv in my roof and potentially battery at home yeah and that was about it but now sort of the almost the standard is there will yeah. be an ev there will be a heat pump there will be yeah. rooftop pv and potentially a battery, and then what else? Sort of, how do you um, add different components to that? That's just for you know your personal home, and not yeah. even on a in an area and district. So, how what has that done with you? Sort of, how how do you perceive that complexity? Yeah. So if I if I think about like uh, when I was when I was growing up, uh, what what did energy look like then? Mm. It was uh, we had a, an oil boiler kerosene mm -hmm. boiler in the basement we had uh for providing heat we had a, a car that, that drove on on uh, gasoline uh and we had um and we have electricity that was that was produced uh, i believe mostly by oil at that time where mm -hmm. we lived of course it, it changes from place to place and 
yeah, that's that that's it. It's it's oil or coal, and and uh, um, the big shift has been we need to have more sustainable supplies of energy, and the complexity that has come up uh, has been a result of that need, that new requirement. So nobody wants to build complexity, but it, it's come out of this out of this requirement. And so, indeed, as you said, um, it's no longer that that uh, I, I have this this oil boiler for my heat, the the grid connection for electricity, etc. But I have uh, a heat pump and that that heat pump maybe is connected to a solar panel and that solar panel maybe is connected to to uh, a battery um, that allows me to say partially run my heat pump from from renewable energy and my heat pump is connected to uh, a geothermal uh, um, to, to, to the ground which allows me to take excess heat from the summer and store it till the winter so that I can have uh, um, a renewable uh, heat in the winter and uh, all of these things together um, then are a more complex system uh, because you have um, a greater diversity of components, a greater diversity of resources, and more and higher density of interactions between these different elements. And it's also like this different scales that are interacting. You know, nowadays, uh, well, I don't know how far it goes, but you know, in, in you can have the uh, a change of wind speed in in uh, Denmark, which reduces the price of electricity. And then my uh, my my uh, battery here in Switzerland says, "Okay, electricity is cheaper. I'm going to start charging." And then that means, say, in the morning, I have uh, I have renewable electricity to make my coffee, <laughs> yeah. which I might not otherwise have had. So it, it's yeah. It's the, these things, all these things coming together, and and it, driven again by these requirements that, that we need. We need to have more complex systems to meet those to meet those requirements. I really like the example that you just gave, and it's the same for my electricity provider, where I, I can look at the app, and they I think they have a weekly forecast. And you're absolutely right. There it says, as I'm located in Sweden, uh, you know, the nuclear power plants in Finland are are being serviced this week so they're uh, not producing as much electricity and at the same time germany is expecting a windy uh week so sort of the, those geographies that are quite far away from where i actually am yeah. have an impact on my local electricity and that's a, a scale that was never there before also i've just reflected on what you said you know the way you grew up same for me you know when um when i grew up i think our cars obviously were fossil fuel driven and we had a, a gas boiler at home for heat and that was it. But then my dad actually started to install solar panels and um, there there is this element of change coming, but that was, but it was actually not that long ago, right? It was 20 years ago. And yeah. just that change of how much opportunity nowadays there is to choose from how you, you both generate, but also consume energy electricity um it's just yeah it's just significant yeah yeah absolutely um and i think really at least from what i he see here in switzerland i think i think uh nearly everywhere in europe you see this this big acceleration over the last year um because all of a sudden you have you know before we were taking a lot of uh making these investments in solar panels and and, and things like that because we wanted to be more sustainable but it was more expensive and mm. now all of a sudden gas and oil become more expensive and more risky and then we see renewable energy sources as the cheaper 
uh, more uh, safer option, mm -hmm. more reliable option. And and this this means that our desire to be more sustainable, our desire for cheap energy are aligned and everybody is jumping on, on all of these things now. And 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 I mean I look around my my just my neighborhood here in Switzerland and there's solar panels going up everywhere. There's there's uh, boreholes being drilled. Uh, it's it's really cool to see something I've never seen before. And uh, I hope it keeps up at this pace um, because we need it. Yeah, I was just giving that example in uh, the last podcast that I recorded uh, with Andres from Rufit Solar, who also just said, you know, uh, we just discussed how neighborhoods change and that almost that peer pressure of the first one on the street in the neighborhood is investing into solar panels. People start mm -hmm. asking questions and um, it uh, creates this positive feedback loop of pe yeah. people being incentivized to act because economic and environmental interests align, which is amazing to see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, the other thing, the other thing that you see happening now is um, uh, because these are, as we said, more complex systems. How do we, how do we uh, control these systems? How do we design them in an effective way? And this is where this, you know, this trend towards being having more sustainable energy supply and this trend now over the last year of, of uh, uh, renewables becoming uh, relatively less expensive compared to fossil sources in, in many cases, um, combined with this trend towards, towards digitalization and, um, and this emerging trend of, of, of AI and um that's sort of where, where symphony comes in to all of this is trying to use these uh digital technologies in our case um algorithms uh, uh machine learning combined with with mathematical programming algorithms um to navigate through all of this complexity in the planning process and identify the best solutions uh, because you can't anymore um, get away with planning these systems in the way that you used to do so. Um, you can't get away with saying, "My, uh, I'm going to supply my heat with the oil boiler. I'm going to connect to the grid and I'm done. You need to figure out, you know, for a given location, and every location looks a little bit different because of the resources that are available, because of the orientation, because of, of um, the, the, the uh, composition of the electricity coming from the grid, how, you need to really make those decisions on a case-by-case -case basis, and you need a way to evaluate and navigate the different possibilities in an effective way in, in planning. And, and all these new technologies that are coming up, from the like 20 different types of batteries that, that are available to uh, solar panels, to uh, solar thermal panels or hybrid panels, uh, to seasonal storage technologies, what, what makes sense at a given site, given the demand patterns, given the resources available, given my priorities as a, as a, as a consumer or a, as a company. That's what- so how, was, how was energy planning then done before? I assume sort of if it was not that complex in the past you could have almost done it on a piece of paper or or in excel just you know you have your standard data you know sort of what's required it wasn't it was that hard so i would assume you know 
energy planning in the days was a lot simpler. Yeah, yeah, or or it didn't even exist. You know, it right. was the, the answer was already clear. You just say, okay, uh, single family house. Um, I'll, I'll put I'll put this this standard solution in. No mm -hmm. no questions asked. Um, of course, there was energy planning. You know, when you're talking about uh, uh, larger sites or, or sites with uh, like like campuses with integrated energy systems, then then it took place. But usually, that was done. Um, You'd have a planner who would use an Excel sheet, uh, assemble a, a few different possible design variants um, using annual estimated values for for different things, and and choose the best option. And it was it was an activity that you know probably didn't take too much time, didn't require too much data, and it's mm -hmm. good and it was good enough. Um, but uh, um, it's not good enough anymore, given right. this this new reality that we're that we find ourselves in. Right. Can you give us an example, sort of how Symphony has improved that planning process, or sort of how your solution sure. contributes to a better planning outcome? Yeah. Um, so what, one example, uh, one of their sort of early projects we did was was one um, focused on a, a, a commercial industrial uh, site here in Switzerland. It's a, a new build site, um, and they they had this goal to be net zero CO2 and they had to figure out uh, how do I supply the heating, the cooling, the electricity? Uh, they're also talking about e-mobility in that case, how do I supply the energy for these things in a way that allows me to be net zero CO2? Um, and there's a lot of options and the, one of the advantages that they had, there's a lot of a lot of roof area that they were avail that was available there and a lot of land that was available. And, and um, so you could, you know, put PV on everything. But part of the issue there, and I think in a lot of cases these days, is uh, you can create a lot of electricity with uh, with um, PV, uh, but you can't necessarily pump that all back into the grid. And you can't use it all because it's not being produced at the time when you need it. Um, so in this case, there was a connection to the to the grid, the, the transformer that had a limited a limited size and would have been expensive to to expand it. So they wanted to avoid that, or at least make sure the costs of doing that were, were justified. Um, so they need to figure out, okay, how much how much PV would be optimal for me to install on the roofs um, uh, to improve the to achieve net zero CO two, and um, but we quickly found that this was very dependent on what other technologies are you using? So if you have if you have PV, you can probably in a more uh, sustainable way provide your heating with heat pumps because you can use the, the electricity. You can also store that uh, electricity in batteries. You can take uh, the, the energy from the summer through solar thermal panels and store it in the ground uh, seasonally, and then get it again uh, in the in the winter as heat. And so the dimensioning of the PV system is connected to how how are you producing your heat? How are you sizing? Which storage technology they're using, and how are you sizing them? We also looked at hydrogen, for instance, a possibility in this case. And what became very clear in that project, and in many of the other planning projects that we participated in since then, is all of these decisions that you have to make in planning are interconnected with one another. Mm -hmm. And you can't, you can't, you can't say, uh, uh, deal with these questions in, in, in separate ways with separate tools or yeah. deal with heat separate from electricity or cooling. 
um, because you you're never going to achieve the goals that you want to achieve that way. Right, because and, everything uh, affects uh, the other outcomes. You can't just everything. look at dimensioning PV if you don't think about how are you going to use the electricity. Exactly, that's that's it. And and you have to take this dynamic approach in planning where mm. you consider. Uh, you know, as I said before, in planning, it was all about annual values, like how right. much heat, how much heat do I need over the entire year, and what is the peak that I need to meet, and then you dimension your oil boiler, and you're done. <clears throat> but now it's it's you know um, you have these these uh, daily and seasonal patterns for for uh, uh, renewables, and and you need to match those with demands and match your the sizing of your batteries with that, and that requires a more dynamic approach in planning as well, which is also central to to what Symphony does. I really like that explanation to say and i think it's also sort of the shift in thinking that many of us have learned by now that you know renewables are fluctuating and mm -hmm. sort of you know there is and i just looked at my pv production today so uh, my solar panels have produced on a not too sunny day in march in sweden 33 kilowatt hours which is fine you know at times we produced a lot more electricity than we consume today but then uh, we didn't pre obviously we won't produce anything during the night and sort of that fluctuation of now we we produce much more during the day but then still need to consume from the grid during the the evening hours and i think that's you know sort of just that mind shift is really crucial to understand obviously for much larger sites and the interdependencies there because again a household is quite quite simple in terms of consumption and generation patterns but when you yeah. start to connect different aspects and, and much more complex sites then it becomes a real challenge and i assume this is really where a software solution that allows you to understand those scenarios and probably then also include outside factors so sort of i guess where where a lot of insecurity comes in for example is around pricing you know sort of yeah. if you start if you were to make an investment decision right now yeah. what kind of prices for the electricity is well, for the electricity would you um would you apply is it sort of the high prices that we've seen will they stay that level will they go up will they go down um, mm -hmm. i think that's really another dimension that uh, your normal excel spreadsheet wasn't able to factor in Yeah, yeah. I'd say in most of the projects that we do and that our customers do with the software, looking at different future scenarios, especially in terms of energy prices, um, is is a big part of it because they want to develop um, solutions that are robust to different potential futures and not solutions that are uh, optimized to a future that will will never, uh, most likely, never be realized. Uh, and that 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 is the sort of thing also that that is, is really central to to Symphony allowing to generate and simulate with respect to many different scenarios to identify those those robust um, solutions. We had a we had a, a another uh, uh, project that we that we worked on recently, which which is I think a really extreme scenario of what you were talking about. That like um, as a, a, a mountainous area um, and and uh, here in Switzerland and the. You know, in general, the highest energy demands that we have um, in this part of the world are in the winter and in the early evenings, right? Uh, when when it's pretty dark outside and, and real cold, uh, which is not when you have a whole lot of solar energy. And in this in this mountainous area, it's it's even worse because you have um, you have uh, uh, in the in the summertime huge amounts of renewable energy available from hydro uh, hydropower because mountainous region, lots of water, lots of snow melt. You have 
uh, in the summer, a lot of uh, solar potential that you can use. In the winter, big mountains that block the sun coming <laughs> from the side, yep, and, and you have shadows, big shadows, and uh, and hydro uh, just doesn't doesn't uh, produce nearly as much in the in the winter. And you know you have it's really cold. You have a lot of snow. You have people coming uh, to go skiing, and you have right. to uh, produce oh, yeah. snow. seasonality of and, hospitality and too. Exactly. So you have huge energy demands, huge excess in summer of renewable energy, huge deficit in winter. Mm. How do you how do you solve this this problem? And um, it's not about one solution. It's about it's about combining different solutions uh, together and and uh, using um, different technologies to achieve this this efficient shift of of uh, renewable energy uh, from from uh, summer to to winter. If I understand it correctly, you're software just just tell me there's a one size fits all solution but it offers a variety of optimal scenarios right because you can optimize sort of to look at cost or to look at co2 footprint and based on whatever is more important to you there will be an, an optimal solution just for that use case so it's basically giving the choice back to the planners to say well if you're looking for the most cost effective and green solution choose this but if you're looking to reduce your emissions even more choose this scenarios is that correct yes exactly um and that's i mean this this would this would be my opportunity to to go into the the deep details of our algorithms and how they function but i, I will keep myself from doing that um uh the what comes out of the software is indeed for a given site a sort of menu of optimal uh, energy supply solutions um, spanning from a solution that minimizes the minimizes the costs, the, the life cycle costs, so including your investment and operational costs, and a solution that minimizes your CO2 emissions, and then different in-between solutions. And each of those solutions uh, typically comes with a different combination of technologies, maybe a different way of of uh, operating those technologies. Um, and uh, and we then let's give that menu of solutions to the user and let them decide, uh, okay, how much more money am I willing to pay to reduce my CO2 emissions by, by so and so much? Um, we don't try to make those decisions for them. We try to give them the information that they need uh, to make those fact-based uh, decisions that they can also justify to uh, other stakeholders involved. And in particular, when we're talking about projects that are not just about a single building, but maybe ban um, uh, a city district or, or something like that, then there's a whole lot of stakeholders that typically come into play. Right. And there's no one, you know, somebody who's using our tool is not somebody who's going to be in a position to make a decision. Um, so that's something that we've really tried to, to gear our software around. Um, giving that information, helping to make decisions, but also giving that the that information in a way that uh, it needs to dashboards that that oh, that the 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 planner can take to different stakeholders and say, these are the solutions. I think this is the best one because XYZ mm-hmm. and and the stakeholders will all understand XYZ and say, check yes, let's let's go for this. Um, or guess... say no, I want this and then yeah. Right. And I just, I guess, giving back that power to the people actually making the decision, but also 
bringing transparency to that decision-making process is something that wasn't really there before. If you look again at sort of how energy planning was done beforehand, I would assume it's a, you know, someone sitting in their office doing the planning and so this is it, you know, take it or leave it. But now it feels a much more open, transparent, and thereby also robust process yeah. to really prepare you for futures that we don't really know how they will look like. We can just assume and make yeah. assumptions and, you know, plan for the optimal outcome with given that yeah. uncertainty. Yeah, I mean, a number of the, the projects that, that we have seen, um, you know, say previously, I think in a lot of cases, the the the, the owners of, of a site or the stakeholders would have said to an uh, given the the task to an engineering firm to design the energy system and just you know accepted uh, and and relied upon them to to come up with the best solution and that's still done in a lot of cases but but we have also seen in in uh, certain cases as well that you know energy is recognized now as such an important element in planning. Uh, because it's so connected to sustainability and also uh, is becoming a, a cost driver in certain cases, especially when we're talking about industrial areas, for instance, um, that uh, uh, the the stakeholders have a real interest and, and a desire to understand at a deeper level what is what is uh, driving this energy system, where is my energy going to be coming from, is this really going to work the way that, that you say it's going to work, um, they want to see more more information, um, and they want to they 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 need to be convinced uh, that the solution that is being suggested to them by the planner is the uh, is the solution that is going to deliver on their on their targets, sustainability targets, uh, cost targets, etc. We touched on the fact before that somehow energy has become. What well, the talk of town, sort of the, the talk in the neighborhood. You know, we. we we mentioned before that if your neighbor and your neighbors get uh, PV installed on their roofs or out of a sudden there's um, heat pumps being installed, that inspires others to act uh, and to to bring about that change. Has that been similar for you in a sense that ever since the the boom of renewables, you've seen a similar trend of people are starting to really rethink how they do energy planning um how yeah how has that affected you yeah um i mean as i said i think in particular over over the last year when fossil fuel prices have been have been uh, um going up and fluctuating much more than previously that there has been um a much more discussion around that because it, it's 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 a topic that you know everybody's energy bills are going up and everybody's trying to find a way to to deal with it um, and so you just end up being involved in many more conversations that focus on that. But, you know, for Symphony specifically, it also means that we're, we're getting approached from and getting interest from, from new types of customers that, that we didn't see so much from before. For instance, industrial sites where, which have huge energy demands, in particular, you know, like, like high temperature heat demands that, that conventionally were supplied by, by fossil sources. And all of a sudden, these have become much bigger budget items because of, of the increasing price and, and a much bigger risk going forward. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if the price of gas goes goes down, um, there is this increased recognition that that yeah. uh, ge geopolitically things can happen and the price can go can Dependencies. jump up. Dependencies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so um so that, yeah we're, we're seeing we're seeing more more interest and in, and in, in need uh from from these sectors uh over the over the past year in particularly and um i think that's that's not going to let up this is a uh my my maybe my hope <laughs> but uh i i see this as something that that uh nobody's going to stop doing even if possibly prices go down in the short term yeah. i think it's also trend here to stay i mean europe and the world they we all have ambitious targets to reach net zero as fast as we can and i guess we're still quite far away from it so sort of the gap is still there and we need to act fast mm -hmm. and so if that brings me to to the next question I would assume this is exactly where Symphony can help to accelerate also the energy planning process, right? Because at least in Germany, this is one of the criticisms that, well, we have the technology, we conceptually know what to do, mm. but then it's not being implemented, it's not being acted upon. It just takes too long from sort of crafting uh, an idea to actually building it. If you have a software that helps you analyze different outcomes, bring transparency to the process, you accelerate the decision-making process because you don't need to have multiple discussions around, well, we could do also that and that and that. Well, yes, it's all here yeah. in the scenarios and we've chosen the, the best ones yeah. for you. Thus, let's make a decision and act upon it. So I think yeah. Symphony can really be a tool to accelerate that energy transition and that transition to net zero. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, it can, it, it really helps you to transform your objectives, your targets into concrete energy system design solutions and to do that very quickly and to give you all the information you need to, to make that decision. Of course, you know, there's political processes that have to be followed and, and there, there are, there's uh, tons of bureaucracy and tons of people that have to be involved in decisions. And that's, you know, we can, we can try We can with Symphony make that that information available in, in a way that that, that that facilitates that process, but uh, uh, we can't help overcome all the hurdles, and and uh, um, that's uh, that's that's going to be up to to other people to figure out. But um, uh, the, I mean, the other thing that that I think is quite relevant is you don't have to do everything at once in energy planning. You can take small steps, and you can you can uh, try then to adapt. Uh, along the way, you know, the there are so many technologies out there. There are so many options, and there's there's these really ambitious targets. And the most important thing is to uh, to take to do something, to take a step in the right direction, and then to continue to do what's possible. And the challenge there is to figure out what step should I take now, the low hurdle step, uh, so that I can keep my options open to take a, a next productive step later. And um, that's also something that, that we're trying to to yeah, facilitate uh, with Symphony in that in that we we try to um, you know not just help customers navigate the option space but help them to navigate the timeline of that option space and and to so the algorithms can say it's best to invest in this now and in five years this and in five years this um, right. and then that's something that can also be adapted over time so that you have This is what we we're, we call a ag agile energy planning. You mm -hmm. you uh, you uh, um, do something. You see how that worked out. You adapt and you take a next step. Um, right. And this is something so not to create path dependencies, but rather keep your options open. Do small exactly. steps at a time. Exactly. Yep. Understood. 
All right. Well, um, as we're embarking uh, towards the, or as we're going towards the end of uh, our podcast, we started our conversation sort of with your journey into energy planning in that area. I can know everything that we discussed today is, it's complex. Energy planning is complex. So I was wondering, you know, on a day-to-day basis, what keeps you really going? Um, because you, you see that complexity every day. And then again, you said before, you like solving complex puzzles. And maybe is that is that the answer to that question? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's different dimensions to it, I think. I, I'm it is fascinating. I mean, that's the main thing. There's a, it's a really exciting area to be in. And, and every day, you know, there's, there's, uh, I learn new things, meet people doing, doing cool stuff and, and find out about new technologies. Um, and, and that, that is really what I personally want to be doing. And I mean, the, the other thing is, I think we've, we've just built a, a really, uh, cool company with really competent people that I really enjoy working with. And, and I like, getting up every day and, and working with them, which I, I can't necessarily say for every job I've ever had. Um, right. So it's uh, in that sense, it's, it's a real pleasure as well. And, you know, despite, despite the, the long hours and the, and the, the uh, uh, little sleep that uh, it's, it's rewarding in, in different ways. Yeah. It's wonderful to you when sort of your personal passion, but then also professional career uh, overlap and that you sort of work towards the same goals and found that sweet spot absolutely yeah yep. then my final question and we slightly touched upon it is you know you just mentioned what makes you get up every day where do you get your inspiration from what, sort of who inspires you what inspires you um is there a, a book a a person that you draw inspiration from i think just in terms of the path that I have taken in my in my own in my own uh, career, um, one of the there was a book that was released uh, that was published uh, just when I was finishing my bachelor's degree um, called Cradle to Cradle. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with it, written by uh, yeah, yeah. William McDonough and Michael Brongard. And um, this I found to be a, such a, a an elegant concept. You know, it's about how do you the idea is that every every uh, product, every material or piece in every product that we use should be uh, either compostable or 100% recyclable, should flow in the biological and technical metabolism, they call them. And it totally, it totally makes sense. And it's such mm. an elegant concept, really hard to realize in practice. Um, uh, there's a lot of But the idea and the power behind it is, well, the idea is really simple and really powerful. Exactly. It, and it's just if we organize things in the right way, if we're smart about it, then, then we can, we can achieve what we want to do. And, and that was also when we were starting out, then when we had this idea with symphony and that's where, at least on my side, where the, what I connected with this idea with symphony, um, there's energy flowing everywhere, right? There's, there's energy, energy in the ground, energy in the air, uh, uh, energy in us. Um, and how do we, how do we harmonize or, um, organize, orchestrate all of these energy flows in the mm. most elegant simple way that we can to achieve the objectives that we want to achieve i found this 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 sort of direct connection or inspiration between between this cradle to cradle concept and what i saw needed to happen on the energy side and um, that's been been with with me at least uh, uh since since we started symphony 
Really good. Yeah, I really like that. It's a great concept and something to sort of keep in mind, I guess, also for, for personal consum consumption choices that we make to sort of think about, you know, is that what we're purchasing here? Does that have the opportunity to, be, well, become a resource again and become go, go back into the circle of um, of goods in the production cycle? Or is it something that actually really goes to waste directly? And I think that's a, yeah. that's a helpful concept to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, also for, for your personal life choices. Sure. Well, Andrew, it was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for making for taking the time today. And um, I'm looking forward to speaking to you soon again. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure.